0: I think what the gospel calls us to do though is think about it. Somebody said one time, I forget exactly how he said it, but he said, "Never offend somebody on accident." And I thought that's brilliant. I love that. And I forget who even said that, but but don't offend somebody on accident. If you're going to offend somebody, do it on purpose. And that's kind of the way Jesus operated. When he offended people, he did it on purpose. He was very thoughtful about what he was doing. And if I have to offend somebody, I want to offend the people that are charlatans.
1: Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Each week I visit with Wes McAdams, minister and author, and together we explore biblical passages and topics. I hope you enjoy this study.
0: So we got a an email, Travis, from a a lady that I know personally, um, and she said, just very simple and, and short, said, I'd like to understand the New Testament stance on men with long hair and women with short hair. Hmm. And that's that's the end of it. Yeah, uh, And I thought that that brings up a, a really good, interesting uh, discussion because... Uh, in previous episodes, we have talked about, you brought up, I think last week when we were talking about the Bible in context and we were talking about how to study the Bible, you brought up sort of cultural mm-hmm. questions that some things, and this is a good example, and I think we, I may have mentioned this Briefly, in passing, you had brought up specifically the issue of slavery, which I think is obviously much more of an important issue right. um, on the on the grand scale. Uh, but there are certain things like slavery and like head coverings um, or hair length, as she brought up. Uh, but in the context of First Corinthians eleven, which we'll get to in a minute, Paul talks about both both head coverings and hair length. And um, and and we sort of look at those. For the most part, not everybody does, but for the most part, we look at those and we say, "Well, that that was sort of bound to the the culture," and, right. and we don't we don't at least don't bind that on people. And there are there are people, even people that worship here at McDermott Road, um, that believe in, in that women should wear head coverings, mm-hmm. um, and there are probably many that probably still feel like a man should not cover his head when he prays. Or prophesies or, or preaches or mm-hmm. anything along All those lines. Yeah, we won't get into the prophecy thing. Um, but um, but probably feel like a man shouldn't and that a woman more, more probably feel like a man should not cover his head. Right. Um, and less probably feel like a woman woman should cover her head when she's in the assembly. Um, and then there's probably a lot that would point to this passage still uh, but but less than there was maybe 30 or 40 years ago um, that would point point to this passage and say you know you shouldn't have long hair if you're a man or you should have long hair if you're a woman um, and, and so there, there are those that would not think that this was a simply a cultural discussion mm-hmm. um but but i would say the vast majority would you agree with that the vast majority of people think that this is a culturally a cultural bound thing. discussion
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting that you bring up the men covering their head because that that one is actually still sure. again you might not yeah. bind it on somebody you right. might not give somebody a hard time if they forgot to take their hat off right during a prayer yeah but it's very very common for but guys I would, to I would take definitely, their hat off
0: yeah if my son was in a leading a prayer or yeah. even just Praying with us, if I was leading the prayer, yeah, I would elbow him, or I'd, <laughs> I'd probably you know put put my the back of my hand in his chest just gently, gently, exactly. of course, gently, um, and then you know yank his hat off like, hey, you should have known better, and, you know, and, right, and give that to him. So yeah, that's definitely that's kind of interesting whether or not, and and that brings up an interesting thing that whether or not this is a culturally bound um, instruction that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church, um, at least that part of it about men covering their head. Or not covering their head in certain environments, not just in prayer uh, yeah. at the dinner tables and other place. And, and that's changing too. But that those things have become during the, the national anthem, right? Yeah, when the flag goes by, or during the national anthem, or mm-hmm. when you know you're at a funeral, or I mean, there could be many, many different. If you're in a cemetery, you know, we yeah. we take our hats off to show respect. Now, I don't know where that cultural thing came from. I don't know if that um, cultural practice for Americans. Um, and I would assume it would be the same in other Western countries, uh, but I don't know if that if that Western practice uh, came from this passage. It, it probably did. I would think that that observing this led right. people to say that for a man to uncover his head is a sign of respect, yeah. and for a woman to cover her head is a sign of respect. Um, and and that's probably still part of our culture today. Um, and so there there are you know definitely situations where um, a woman would wear sort of a veil or wear sort of a head covering, um, whether she's in mourning or whether it's, you know, a wedding or maybe, yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's just all kinds of layers. And, you know, where even like the wedding veil, where did that come from and what was the practice? And I think that goes back to arranged marriages. You know, so there's there's all kinds of sort of layers of how culture develops. And that's true not only for us, but I think that goes into the discussion with this passage itself. Let's, let's read the passage before we go any further. Mm-hmm. So I'll just read... First uh, Corinthians eleven, and and I guess it's important, especially since last week we talked about um, context and and knowing the overall story. Um, in the book of First Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's specifically addressing questions that they've that they've raised um, or things that have come up. And so he's writing to them and he's correcting misunderstandings or some bad practices or questions that they've raised and he's going through this sort of long list of different things and some of them have to do with sexual immorality some of them have to do with food that's sacrificed to idols some of it has to do with the actual assembly what they're doing in the assembly you know that they had uh, miraculous gifts that some people were exercising and 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 they were sort of monopolizing the, the service, everybody came, Paul says, everybody came, everybody wanted to talk, everybody wants to say something, everybody mm-hmm. has a song that they want to sing. And so he limits the number of people and who can, can participate in the service and says, hey, we need to you know, sort of you trim this back a little bit. And, um, and so he deals with all of these different issues. Um, and I think we're going to see that he deals with them sort of in the same way. Um, and it goes back to what we talked about last week. But, but one of the issues that he deals with is uh, about head coverings. And we could say that in a very broad sense. Men covering their head with some sort of artificial covering or with their long hair or a woman uh, either having long hair or short hair and then covering her head with some sort of uh, veil uh, or covering. So Paul says, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 2, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays, or it could be woman, every wife or woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair, sh- hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made for, from woman, but but woman from man. Going back to the creation, woman was made from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord woman is not independent of man nor man of woman, for as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory?" for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Okay, so I think let's work our way backwards. Mm-hmm. That might be the best way. As I was reading that, I thought, well, let's, let's kind of work our way backwards. So there are some reasons in the text itself that I think lend itself to a uh, culturally bound culturally dependent conversation one of them is there in verse 16 where we ended if anyone is inclined to be contentious we have no such practice uh nor do the churches of god i mean that even that word practice is about customs Mm -hmm. um and 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 even when you go back to where he says does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair it's a disgrace for him now there's a couple different ways you could use that word nature now he doesn't and he can't mean nature like the way things naturally are out in the wild right because if if you and a female of your same age both lived by yourself out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and neither of you cut your hair for 30 days if you started with the same length it'd probably be about the same length when, when the 30 days were over. Your hair grows, her hair grows. So what does he mean by doesn't nature itself teach you that it's a disgrace for a man to wear his hair long? He doesn't mean nature as in like the nature channel. You know, right. He doesn't mean nature like the way hair naturally grows. He means nature as in the natural way of doing things. Mm. He means nature as in the the customs and, and the way things are naturally done. So again... There's all of these sort of um, these little um, milestones, maybe these little uh, pictures that help us to understand, okay, he's talking about something that is, is very culturally dependent here. He's saying that uh, I believe again, and if somebody, you know, reads this different, that's fine. And if, if a woman wants to cover her head while, while she's praying or uh, during worship, because she wants to practice exactly what scripture says, I would never in a million years criticize that at all. Um, But I I do think that that Paul is having a conversation that is, is very culturally dependent. I think he is saying that in this culture, the way things are naturally done, the way that everybody does things in our culture, in this society, in the way that every church in that part of the world was operating. Yeah. This is the message that you're sending. When a woman prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, he says it's like her head is shaven and and we kind of know what message that would send, and the message in that culture, if a woman has her head shaved, is that she's a prostitute, that she yeah. is an immoral woman. And Paul says, "You're sending the exact same, by uncovering your head by taking off your veil. You're sending the same message that you would send if your head was shaven. And if you wouldn't send that message, you need to not send this message either. Right. And and and." I think that it helps us to think about like maybe muslim culture because Mm -hmm. when paul talks about the veil or he talks about this covering he's not talking just about like sort of the way you know i've seen women in worship you know kind of cover their head with a little piece of material that's not it's more like the hijab or something like that where even to this day a woman whether she's islamic or not to to live and work and you know do whatever in certain cultures without your head covered, you're sending a certain message that you're not subject to any husband, that you're not submissive to anybody, that you're going to do whatever you want to, and you're sending a certain message. And so Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians, you're sending a message that is not in keeping with creation. And, And so it's not so much that in every culture, regardless of the way things are interpreted, a woman covering her head or uncovering her head or a man having long hair or having short hair um, is sending that same message. That I don't think that's the application here. The application here is that we have to be careful as Christians that we don't send a message that violates the overarching principles of a biblical worldview. Yeah. And the biblical worldview, his overarching point that he starts with He's saying, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And he'll go on to say that, listen, it doesn't mean that man is not is independent of woman because every single man alive came from a woman, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. You are dependent on women because you wouldn't exist without them. We're right. all dependent on each other, but to send a message... I'm not dependent on my husband. I'm not submitting to him. I am I am my own person, independent of anybody else. You're not sending a biblical message. And the same is true with men. And so Paul is, I think, is saying that because of the customs, because of the culture, because of the way things are naturally done in our culture, you're sending a message that is contrary to nature. You're sending a message that is contrary to a biblical worldview. Now, in our culture, that may not be the same thing. Right. And even, I mean, let's stop and think about this for a second. Like when he says that that nature teaches you that a man ought not to wear his hair long. Like what does that mean? Like what is yeah. long, right? Uh, where what do you it, define that? What is? I mean, I know what shaven is, and he talks about a woman having her head shaved. But what does it mean for a man to have long hair? I mean, yeah. compared to what? Compared to... The average man or compared to the average woman. Well, that's a cultural conversation. We're right. saying, does it, does it behoove the average Christian um, to, in that culture at least, to wear his hair in such a way that he communicates he that he's more of a woman than a man, or you know, whatever he's communicating in that culture, Paul says, no, that you you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't send that message. Um here's the message that you should send. So even just that that term I mean, it's relative. Mm-hmm. Long is a relative term and we yeah. have to realize that and recognize that. And I think that if if we're going to bind any of these, see this is where this is where it really bugs me. When we take something like this and where a woman with what I would say is relatively short hair. Yeah. You know, almost every elderly woman I know has relatively short hair. Sure, I don't know very many elderly women because, and I understand, I'm not criticizing them at all, but I don't know very many elderly women who wear their their hair shoulder length or longer. Most elderly women have relatively shorter hair. But sometimes those same elderly women who have relatively short hair and who don't cover their head while praying or prophesying will criticize a young man because he has relatively long hair. Right. And they will use this passage, and it goes back to the same thing we've been talking about week after week after week. If we take passages out of context in order to bind it on someone else while at the same time finding loopholes for ourselves and say, well, that doesn't apply to me or that was cultural, but this long hair thing, you young men, you ought to right. get a haircut. Don't you know what the Bible says? Nature itself teaches you, it's a disgrace for you to have long hair. Wait a second, that's not the way. Scripture is meant to transform us first, Yeah, not to be used as ammunition against other people. And so, but I think the bigger point here, the bigger application here. Because I think this this passage, sometimes if people hear us saying, "Well, that was cultural, that right. was cultural." So they say, "Well, you should just cut it out of your Bible, then just you know, just take a, a knife and a pair of scissors and just trim that out because it doesn't it doesn't apply to us anymore. I, I could not disagree with that more. It does apply to us. Now, how it applies. Now that might be nuanced. That might be a little bit different. Yeah. And so the 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 point of there is still a biblical worldview. These over Paul begins with principles of creation and of Christianity, and these principles of of Jesus and how Jesus operates and how the man exists to uh, to serve and to to help and to be like Jesus to his wife, and the wife exists to serve and to help and to be like the church is to Jesus, and and all of the, the ways that Paul will lay out in this book and in every book to say, this is the way Christianity operates. This is the way we operate as Christians. This is the way the world functions. This is the way God laid things out in the beginning, and this is the way Jesus fulfills those things. Then we have to ask ourselves, are the things that I'm doing Are they communicating this biblical worldview to the people that are around me? Am I sending the right messages? And I think there's all kinds of different messages that we could send. And that's why I would hate, even if you practice this, even if you said, listen, I'm going to have short hair because that's what the Bible says. And I'm going to insist that that women cover their head because that's what the Bible says. But don't limit it to that. Even if you want to continue to apply it, that's fine, do that, but understand why you're applying it and also don't limit it to only those things. The, the example I always use is, um, okay, we live in a culture now um, where one of the, one of the biggest uh, tensions in our culture is around sexual morality, um, it, particularly around whether or not uh, same-sex relationships are are good, right, righteous, holy, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of uh, people who claim to be followers of Jesus who are fully accepting and embracing of same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe the Bible teaches that marriage and sexuality is meant for um, a man and a woman for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get into that later. But Assuming that's true, assuming that that the biblical worldview is that marriage and sex is for a man and a woman and that that. Other types of relationships, and we could list off more than simply just um, same sex. I mean, we could we could list off you know divorce, and we could list off you know uh, multiple multiple spouses. We could, I mean, there's a whole list of things that we could list off that that as followers of Jesus, we believe this is not in keeping with the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. Right. Um, okay. So so if that's a biblical worldview, and we accept that and embrace that, then are there things in our culture that would communicate? Even unintentionally, something different. Well, one example that I think of is the is the rainbow, you know, and yeah. and and that's sort of become the the symbol that's associated with gay pride. Um, and and if I wore a shirt with a rainbow on it, mm-hmm. I would be communicating something in our culture. Sure. Now, do I want to communicate love for all people? Yes, I want to communicate love for all people. Um do I want to communicate um that I I accept people yes but do I want to communicate that I accept every lifestyle as equally valid or equally good no i don't i don't want to communicate that i think there are lifestyles not just same-sex relationships that's not what i'm saying i'm not singling that out but i think there are lifestyles that are not healthy for the individual nor healthy for the culture nor in keeping with the principles of of discipleship and so if i wore a symbol that communicated something different than that in our culture Mm -hmm. then i think that that would be something paul would warn me about to say wes you're communicating something that maybe you intend to, maybe you don't intend to, but it's not in keeping with the principles of of Christianity and of creation. So if you hold a biblical worldview and you do these things, you're sending a mixed message and you need to you need to stop sending the messages that are not in keeping with Jesus.
1: Yeah, so two two thoughts I had while you were saying that while we've been going through this passage. Um it almost sounds to me, and, and I think of this a lot during Paul's letters when he kinda gets to this point where he's talking about these very specific um, instructions for them, um, he's he's almost saying, Don't stand out for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to stand out because sure. you're Christian. And if you're living the Christian life, you're gonna look very differently. You're not yeah. gonna value the same things as other people. Right. You're not gonna you know, you're not gonna say the same things as other people. You're not gonna treat uh, people the same as the world treats people and so on and so forth. So don't stand out for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, but I always, uh, talking about like the, the message we send out, the perception other people have of us. I always struggle with this idea of how much should I care? How much should I mm. govern my life? And, uh, based on what other people think yeah, of the message I'm sending. Cause you know, there's plenty of times. I mean, y- I mean, you could, you could just look at the life of Christ alone. Plenty of people thought he was doing one thing and saying one thing. Plenty of people thought that he was, um, that he was, uh, saying that the law was no good anymore. You know, when when his disciples are eating on the Sabbath and picking up food on the Sabbath and people say, you know, what, what are you, what you know, what are you doing They're They're, they're working yeah. on the Sabbath. Yeah. You're, you're breaking the law. And of course he explains to them, you know, if it, you know, in his way, in his Jesus way, that that's you clearly don't know what keeping the Sabbath meant. Right, right. Um so it was a it was a time for correction. Yeah. So how much of these signals I'm not trying to go get a shirt with a rainbow on it right, or anything. Right, right, right. But how much should I govern my life based on what people think of me.
0: Right. Uh, that's a, uh, what a tremendous question, Travis. And it, it reminds me of my favorite chapter. i if anybody knows me, Romans 12 is one I go to all the time. Um, so I'm going to start in Romans 12, verse 14. Um, and Paul is talking to, I mean, imagine, imagine living as a follower of Jesus in Rome, mm-hmm. in the heart of the beast of, of the the first century. And, and so he, he tells them, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And there he's specifically talking about the people in the community. Mm -hmm. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, he's specifically saying if somebody persecutes you, bless them. If they curse you, don't curse them in return. And if they're rejoicing, rejoice with them. And if they're weeping, then weep with them. Live in harmony with one another. That's both us, you know, internally and externally, mm-hmm. do not be haughty, associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil. But, and here's where I want to get to verse 17, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And that, the phrase there that's interpreted or translated, give thought to do is about forethought. It's about thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. How will this be interpreted? Will this be interpreted as something honorable? Is this something that will be seen as honorable? And I think you bring up a really great question um, that I think we have to think through. You know, what will the religious people say? You know, mm-hmm. what will what will the Pharisees of our day think about this? Mm-hmm. Um You know, Jesus knew their heart and that's something we don't know mm-hmm. you know and and i can easily look at somebody and say well you're being a legalist or you're being a pharisee or you're being over zealous about these things or you're taking that out of context or whatever and i don't know their heart i don't know you know jesus knew though that these people were not sincere he knew yeah. that these people were out to kill him and he knew that their um charade of religious piety uh, was simply that was a charade Um, and we don't know that. And I would never want to assume that about anybody. Um, and there's going to be times where we give offense unintentionally, where we unintentionally offend someone. And I, I think what the gospel calls us to do though, is think about it. Somebody said one time, I forget exactly how he said it, but he said, never offend somebody on accident. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, that's brilliant. I love that. And I forget who even said that. But but don't offend somebody on accident. If you're yeah. going to offend somebody, do it on purpose. Yeah. And that's kind of the way Jesus operated. When yeah. he offended people, he did it on purpose. He, knew he was exactly very what he was thoughtful doing. about what he was doing. And yeah. if I have to offend somebody, I want to offend the people that are charlatans. I want to offend the people that are are the Pharisees. And Pharisee, you know at the time they were religious people but they but he calls them hypocrites and yeah. a hypocrite means an actor I want to offend the actors. I want to call them out of from behind their their charade and and show them for what they are. I don't want to offend the people that are trying their very best to please and serve God. Yeah. And I also don't want to offend the people in the community that are simply trying to be good honorable people. And that's what we have to think about. We have to we have to think through, you know, our our brothers and sisters and their sensitivities and say, you know, what message will this whatever it is the clothes i wear the way i wear my hair what what i put you know if i put ink on my body or i don't put ink on my body or i pierce my body or i don't pierce my body or you know i mean yes at some point you you know you got to do what's right and good and and you have to make the best decisions and you're going to offend somebody one way or the other i understand all of that but it's healthy and good to think about it, mm-hmm. to, to ask questions about it, and then if you're going to go ahead and do it, then go ahead and do it. But do it, do it by faith. Walk by faith. Do it knowing that you know what. If this offends somebody, it's not because it's dishonorable. Yeah. But 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 what what Paul is helping them in Corinth to see specifically is you really are bringing dishonor on the church by the way that you wear your hair or what you put on your hair or don't put on your hair because the message you you send is a dishonorable message and i think that's the question we have to ask is what message am i sending by this and and but but we i think we also have to be very careful that we're not trying to police that in others that we're simply trying to do that ourselves right. and so I can't say, well, Travis, you should have thought about your decision before you did it yeah. because you offended me and you should have known that that was going to offend me. So you need to stop offending me. No. Right. I need. I, I always tell people, I think that as followers of Jesus, we need to be very careful not to give offense Yeah, and it needs to be very hard for us to take offense. Mm. So we need to not take offense quickly and we need to not give offense easily. And so I think if we try to do that, like, listen, you're not going to offend me. You know, you don't have to worry about me. You know, I love you. And and I'm going to assume the best about you. And I believe that love is patient and love is kind and it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It isn't rude. It isn't self-seeking. So I'm going to try to practice those things with you, whoever you are. And so you don't have to worry or fret about offending me at all you call me whatever you want, you do whatever you, you know, I'm going to try my best. That doesn't mean yeah. you know, I'll always succeed, but I'm going to try my best not to be offended by what you do and to give you the benefit of the doubt. But on the other hand, I'm going to have a different standard for myself. And for myself, I'm going to try to think ahead and try my very best not to offend you. What if, what if in our culture, we all practice that? And yeah. we live in a culture that, that is very sensitive to not causing offense. Mm. But, but, they are very easily offended. And mm-hmm. there's the difference. We live in a culture where you can easily offend somebody unintentionally just anytime you turn around. And, and some of it I understand. Some of it's understandable. And we need to recognize, yeah, that's a pretty offensive thing you've said. And you've been saying it for a long time. And you need to knock it off because that's yeah. rude. And that's racist. or that's whatever. You know, stop saying that. And yes, some of that is necessary. But I think sometimes we carry that to an unhealthy extreme And so as a follower of Jesus, I want to be sensitive to those things. And yeah, it's hard living in our culture, trying to do what's honorable in the sight of all. But at the same time, I need to not participate in that overly sensitive mentality, and I need to be patient with people, whether that's my brothers and sisters in Christ or people in the community. I need to assume the best about them and say, listen, I'm sure they weren't trying to offend me, so I'm not going to take offense.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the more I think about the gospel, and you said something that reminded me of this the more i think about the gospel like and the message it boils down to if you could boil it down to a phrase it's be aware yes yeah. and uh that that's that's something that's come up a lot in 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 studying this nature of god study that i'm doing and um we we talk about uh, the jesus over and over again he talks about live in the light you know not in the darkness don't you know walk in the light not in the darkness john says walk in the light as he is in the light and um, almost j- just in an attempt to kind of say it a different way, we've been saying, be awake. Mm, mm-hmm. Be awake because you don't, you know, living in the dark is yeah. going on autopilot. Yeah. Because, because what's the similarity that a Pharisee, a very religious person, mm-hmm. an actor, a hypocrite, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're not sincere about their faith, but they're trying very hard. Right. They're trying very hard. And I think maybe on some level, they think they're doing the right thing by following all the rules, checking all the boxes, regardless of what they, what those boxes mean, what the rules even mean anymore, uh, who it applies to anymore. How is that person, the Pharisee in the same category as someone just completely lost in the world, Mm -hmm. not religious, not thinking about things above at all, not even making an attempt to, how are those people in the same category? And I think it's, it's the autopilot.
0: Yeah.
1: It's thinking that you can just walk through life, not examining yourself, not examining the things you do, the things you say. And I like what you said about not being very careful not to take offense, but thinking ahead about, well, what could I say? What could I do that's going to offend people? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to know I'm doing it right, right. Um, because I don't want to do it on accident. Right. I don't want to live in the darkness right. and just be offending people without, without any thought yeah, to, yeah. to what that means or, or and how that's coming about.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that another point, I think that's so, so exactly right. And I think another point is that we, whether, whether we're talking about a secular person yeah. or we're talking about a very religious person if they are guiding themselves, if their mm-hmm. thoughts and motives and actions are are guided by their own wisdom, and and that's what James says. James says, and I think this is applicable. You know, James says, worldly wisdom. This is what it looks like. It's, yeah, it's all of these negative things. And this is what happens. And it's true for the secular person and it's true for the religious person that this is what worldly wisdom looks like. But godly wisdom, wisdom that is from above is peaceable and gentle and loving. This is what godly wisdom looks like. It looks like the fruit of the spirit. This is what it looks like to have godly wisdom. And I have to understand that it is not within me It is not within me to walk that way, to walk that circumspectly. I will cause offense everywhere I go and I'll break everything that I come into contact with if I don't walk by the Spirit of God. And that's why the gospel, the gospel story has to saturate us. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2 that you have to put on the mind of Christ. And he says, the mind of Christ is you consider others to be more significant Be more that the word there more significant than yourselves means to be your superior. Yeah, I mean, think about that for a second. So, if we're talking about if you were in the military um, or you were an employee, how about that? You were an employee at a business and you had a boss who is your superior, you're going to think through if you want to keep your job, you're going to keep you're going to think through what might caused them to not like me anymore right. or what might hurt their feelings or what might be offensive to them. You don't walk into your boss and say, hey, you're kind of looking ugly today. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't say that kind of thing to someone who is your superior. I Paul, thought I
1: said that in a sarcastic tone of voice. <laughs> I thought it came across
0: clear. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep bringing that up every time you say that to me, Travis. No, you haven't said that to me. Um, but no, but I mean, that's a good example. Yeah. I don't even think of, that's funny. You would say that to me like I'm your boss like I don't even think about it that way because I want to think of you as being my superior. Yeah. As how can I serve Travis? How can I make Travis's life better? Even if our roles technically are formulated that way, yeah. I want to look at you as being my superior and I want to think through I don't want to cause I don't want to do anything to Travis that would cause him harm or to be distraught. I want his life to be better for having come into contact with me. And Paul says Christian should treat everybody that way what would happen if when in people's interactions with their mailman or their trash man or the 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 cashier at the at the grocery store or the waiter or the waitress at the restaurant or their neighbor or their their coworker, everybody they come into contact with, what if they were to approach that interaction and think this person is my superior? They are better than me. They're more significant than me. Now Paul's not saying that's true. Yeah, <laughs> everybody is equally valuable. Yes, of course, but Paul doesn't say treat people like you're equal. He says, treat people like you're superior. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And, and in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, he says, here's what it looks like. Or sorry. Yeah. Verse 17. He says, give thought to do what is honorable in their sight. And that's what you would do if they were your superior. If that person was more significant than you, was higher up than you, you would say, what is honorable in their sight? It, th- this attitude of, I don't care what anybody else thinks that is not a Christian mentality. And mm. I'm afraid that we we have one extreme or the other. I think right. on one extreme, we're like, hey, you know, don't offend anybody, you know, and, and you need to, you know, don't say this, don't say that. And so we have this hypersensitive culture. But on the other hand, I think there's a lot, especially Christians, who are reacting to that. Mm-hmm. And they've got this attitude of, I don't care what you think. I'm yeah. going to offend whoever I offend. I Freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want to. Well, maybe you can say whatever you want to as an American. And, and you have the freedom legally to say sure. whatever you want to. But that doesn't mean as a follower of Jesus, you get to say whatever you want to. Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you need to think of everybody you interact with as your superior and think about what is honorable in their sight, Hmm. and then send a message to them that is honorable. And man, it would change the way we interacted with people if we really did that. Now, yes, there's going to be times, well, I, I mean, for example, the fact that I do not believe that followers of Jesus should engage in any sexual behavior outside of a, a marriage between a husband and wife for life. that I don't think that things outside of that realm are wholesome and good and right and pleasing to God. Now that's an offensive idea to a lot of people in the world. Mm-hmm. And I have to be very careful even when I communicate that, to communicate that truth, in a way that's as honorable as possible. Yeah. I have to understand that, yes, on some level, that, is, that just fundamentally is going to offend people. And they're saying, Wes, you're a bigot and you're wrong, and I can't believe you hold that position. Okay, I understand that's what you think, and I need to try to communicate with you in as honorable way as possible and understand and communicate with you as if you're my superior. There's sometimes where you have to deliver bad news to your superior or news that they don't like but you can do it in the, as nice and loving and patient of a way as possible. Yeah. And, and for that matter, I'm not interested, while we're talking about those types of relationships, other types of sexual relationships, I'm not interested, and I don't believe Christians ought to, try to force the world to understand our sexual ethics. Hmm. Our job is to practice the Christian sexual ethic and to invite the world to become followers of Jesus, and part of becoming a follower of Jesus is practicing the Jesus sexual ethic, yes, but we focus in on these little, these battles out here, and that's really not the battle. If I get you to accept my view of sexuality, but you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as the king, right? What good have I done? We're getting things backwards. And we just have to be so very careful about the messages that we send, how we send them, that we're coming across in the best possible way. And yes, we're going to mess up. And so we have to be patient with each other. We have to try not to take offense. But but yes, I think that the head coverings, back to the original question, Mm -hmm. the head coverings, the hair length, it all comes back to this overarching question of what message are you sending? Um, and we have to be very careful that we're sending a message that is in harmony with the Christian worldview, with Jesus' worldview. And that's a worldview that says, "I need you. you know? And I mean, overall, that's that's the message Paul says. You know, wives, send a message to the community that you need your husband and that you love your husband. And husbands, don't think for a second that you don't need your wives because you came into this world through a woman and you need women and you need Jesus and you need to be in submission to Jesus. And so we all need to send a message to the world and to each other that is in harmony with these truths Mm -hmm. of submission and love and respect and harmony and, and all fitting together in the way that God designed things. And if we're sending a message that's contrary to that, then we're, we're hurting the cause of Christ. I want to thank my church family, the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, and our editor, Travis Pauley, for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I also want to invite you to check out Logos Bible Software, who has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash Logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.